Salesoft is great. What we're doing is really looking at sales as a profession and saying, how can we make this better? How can we help sellers and sales teams be great? Sales was one of those professions that really hadn't gone online as much as many others. And then, of course, the pandemic happened, and guess what? It all went online. But it didn't go online in in what I think the state of the future will be. I think it was one of those things where one day everybody just picked up what they did, and then they did it in a Zoom or an email. And uh, and we have this opportunity to really look at it and say, okay, well, how can you how can you make sellers more productive so they can go home earlier or make more money, right? How can you make sellers connect with buyers better, right? How can you figure out what's the really human part of what they're doing, guiding, connecting, having a relationship, helping navigate the buyer versus what a computer can do, like scanning your email or creating a task list. So it's, there's a really compelling opportunity there to reimagine what sales looks like in a digital world. And so I think that that's the journey we're on. That's what, that's what we're trying to build to. How we doing out there, folks? This is your host with the most, Kenny Vaughn, and the dynamic trio is reassembled once again. Ooh, what is up, everyone? It is Sophia. I play for Team Breakline. Hello there. This is Bethany Coates. I'm delighted to be with my teammates, Kenny and So. Well, we'd like to welcome all the gladiators back to the arena. We are so excited that you're getting a chance to check out another episode. And this week, we got Ellie Fields the Chief Product and Engineering Officer at Sales Loft. Bethany, would love to hear any insights that you had from this conversation. Well, Ellie and I were classmates at Stanford Business School, and it was so much fun to have a chance to connect with her and cover some of the ground that that she has walked in her life. She started sharing with us that she was raised by a single mom. Her mom was an executive assistant and raised Ellie and her sister on her own. And Ellie talked about that feeling of financial insecurity that she grew up with Mm -hmm. and having a priority as she began her own career to first think about establishing herself, establishing a foundation, being able to build her savings account and just know that she was okay on that dimension, that she had security on that dimension. And then what I really loved was the arc of her experience that she told and her the maturation of her thought process where she got to this point where she started taking big swings for herself based on not just how much she could earn with a particular compensation package, but how fulfilled she would be in going after that particular opportunity. And she said something toward the end of the conversation, which I really love. She said, I don't want to wake up toward the end of my life and say, well, I had the career I had because I never bothered to go for the career I really wanted. Now in this very senior executive Mm. role at Sales Loft, she is definitely building the career that she wants. And as a friend and as an admirer, it's just wonderful to see her in that place. Sophia, how about you? What are some of your reflections from this conversation? Because I mean, I I heard that line and I was vibing with that one too, Mm -hmm. Bethany. So love that insight. Sophia, would love any thoughts that you had from the conversation. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to steal Ellie's thunder, but she tells this really powerful vignette kind of surrounding representation. She had been selected as a keynote speaker once, and then right before the event, she was replaced, which left no women, no people of color on the agenda to speak. 
and she ended up confronting the event organizer and got put back on the agenda. But when I was kind of reflecting on that story, I was like, it mattered because imagine you're in the audience as a woman, as a person of color, as an ally. Think about the people who ended up seeing themselves in her. I think that that was such um, an important moment of self-advocacy that affected the, the overall event and really just kind of spoke to her character. So I, I absolutely adored you know, hearing this conversation with Ellie. You know, when I heard her share that story, I said, she's got guts. She really does. <laughs> She really She's does. Got guts. Mm -hmm. How many times have we seen or been in situations where we kind of have this sensation that something is just not right, yeah. but to take the extra step and to say something about it, and regardless of the outcome, have the courage to say, hey, I'm not sure if you've noticed the optics of this, but I wanted to raise it to your attention. And so to hear, she, to hear her say that, it was just really cool to see that courage. And then the last piece that I really wanted to add to, and I love this part of the conversation where Bethany, you and her share just the work-life balance of having to be mothers and having to navigate very demanding careers. And it was nice to just hear her say that it really has gone in ebbs and flows. And there's been parts of her career where she's had to be really dedicated to progressing in career, but there's also been parts where she's had to have that time dedicated towards family and just making sure that you're in places and spaces that can meet you and support you where you're at. Mm -hmm. So really just love the insight that she shared from her career journey. This is a really exciting conversation. Sales Office is making some really cool moves. Mm, sales uh, off. So Do excited it. to hear her share about that. And uh, without further ado, maybe we should just give the listeners what they came here for. Let's give it to them. We will see you guys on the other side. Welcome everyone, this is Bethany Coates, CEO of Breakline. I'm so excited to welcome my classmate and friend, Ellie Fields, Chief Product and Engineering Officer at SalesLoft. Ellie, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Bethany. Delighted to have you. And Ellie, I'd love for you to just introduce yourself. You've, you're, um, you're a key leader, obviously now at SalesLoft. Will you tell us a little bit about your background, a little bit about the path that you took to get to this place? Yeah, sure. You know, I was uh, I was a quiet kid. I was an introverted kid, and I loved science and computers. I was doing some basic programming. You know, when when that became available when I was a teenager, uh, I was kind of early early on then. And uh, you know, one of the things that I thought about when I went to college was I, I really wanted to do technical things. I also loved reading books, so I wanted to to do both of those. But I also grew up in a house where we had some financial insecurity. I had a single mom, and um, and she was a secretary and uh, had a sister and, you know, things were just tight at times. And so one of the things I was really focused on was making sure I had a career where I could support myself. And, uh, mm -hmm. and so I went to college and I ended up getting uh, dual degrees in engineering and in, in policy, which was, was more of a li liberal arts. And I loved it. I loved being technical. I loved hanging out with, with the other engineers, really loved thinking about systems and how things worked. Um, after college, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, and I had been recruited to an investment bank in New York, and I was really trying to parse a lot of things. With my mom being a secretary, I, I didn't feel like I knew a lot about the world and how it worked, and so mm -hmm. I was looking at master's degrees and had been accepted to a couple of programs, but I felt like I didn't really know what that path was or if I wanted to go down it, and so I took the investment banking path because it felt like a place where I would learn 
a lot about a lot in a very short time. And that was in mm -hmm. fact true. It was, it was hard. It was a lot of work, but I, I learned all kinds of things about how companies work and how markets work and how work works. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, spent, spent long hours in New York, uh, working away. And, uh, I learned something through that. I was doing well, but I wasn't loving it. And yeah. finance is a super important profession and a lot of people love it. And, uh, and I just didn't, I, I always felt like I wanted to be creating the thing, building the thing, not not monetizing the thing. And so uh, I actually went over to VC and, and moved coasts, moved over to San Francisco because I was really enthralled by what was going on in tech. I felt like I'd gotten a little bit away from it by being in banking. And so I went out to California, joined a, a VC firm and did that for a couple of years and also was uh, loving it and um, doing well at it, but I kept, I kept wanting to join the company mm -hmm. and you're not supposed to do that as a VC. You're supposed to be a little more dispassionate and think about the exit. And, and all I really wanted to do was jump into those companies and, and be part of them. And so my gut was telling me I, I still wasn't quite in the right place. That's when I went back to Stanford to get my MBA, mm -hmm. uh, met you, Bethany, and a bunch of other mm -hmm. great people. And, you know, at, at uh, business school, I uh, felt like everybody wanted to go into banking or consulting, but I really just, I just had this burning desire to build things. And uh, so kept on that track, went to Microsoft, spent a few years there mm -hmm. and um, got to see a lot of different projects, enjoyed it. It was a, a big company, wanted something a bit smaller. So I went to a smaller company in, in Redfin for about a year, year and a half until the financial crisis and uh, had actually been recruited to Tableau along the way. And so that's when I jumped over to Tableau. I spent 12 years at Tableau. I uh, did a mm -hmm. bunch of different things there, um, joined as a product manager slash product marketer because we we didn't have budget at the time for two positions. So we put, mm -hmm. put them into one and was able to see just tremendous growth there. I mean, we were about we were under 100 people when I started. We went through an IPO. We ultimately went through an acquisition by Salesforce. And after about 12 years, um, you know, I'll, I'll always love Tableau and the people there, but I decided to move on. And that's when I joined Salesloft as the CPO. Mm -hmm. And then There's... just personally, the other thing you need to know about me is I am a mom. I got two kids and mm -hmm. love being outside, love biking and running and kayaking, anything outside. Mm -hmm. And you're in the Seattle area, right? Yeah. Great area mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's so much in in the story that you just told, and I was so glad that you also included the part about your mom. And it, the, you know, our family of origin really informs so much of how we show up in the world. And I'm curious, what does your mom think about your journey and and where you are? She just must be brimming with pride and excitement for you. Yeah, she really is. She is for for both me and my sister. And my sister is a teacher, which is a, a, a huge impact of another kind. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's funny, uh, my mom was never deeply involved in, in school. You know, she wanted us to do well, but she wasn't, you know, she wasn't checking our grades or checking our homework or anything. And I, I think that was, that was great. Uh, it gave us a lot of independence and, uh, she's absolutely been proud. Uh, she's been happy. I think she also being open really doesn't have any idea what I do and has totally. for many years, <laughs> but, uh, but, but she's, but she's proud. proud. <laughs> yeah. She'll, it's funny. She'll ask me questions when I travel. She's, she'll say things like, do you really have to go? Why do they make you go to all these places? And I'm kind of like, mom, I, 
I'm, I'm calling the shots. I get to choose when I go right. and where I go. Like no one's making me do this. <laughs> um, I love that. My, my parents definitely don't have any real idea what I do. They, they sort of like broadly understand it as being in social impact, but yeah. they are so proud of me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It yeah. just feels so great to have that unconditional support and love. Yeah behind you that's just awesome it is yeah and shout out to my mom too because she did raise two kids mm. on on a on not a great salary and she she did it so mm-hmm. shout out to shout me. out to i mean single mom all the wow. single moms and dads out there wow it uh-huh. is it is a thing it is it a thing. is a thing and that's really cool and it's it's wonderful to see that that overflowing sense of pride return to your mom too you know it's a, it's a two-way street between the two of you so you spent 12 years at at tableau and you like during that time as you said there was an extraordinary transition transition from 100 people when you joined all the way up to the ipo and then getting acquired by salesforce what was that like? What was that 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 period of growth and dynamism and fluidity? What what was it like for you? Do you do you look back on it and think of it in stages? Was it all just very kind of smooth or were there different periods of time that really stand out to you in terms of your experience there? Yeah, it definitely wasn't smooth. Let's put it that way. But uh <laughs> but it was it, it was as growth curves go, it was a really well-managed one and and I do look back not in distinct stages because every year was different. And I think the overarching theme there was just growth and change. Um, Mm -hmm. When a lot of us get into business and and maybe especially those of us who haven't seen parents doing this, you know, this kind of work, you know, I, I at least very much thought that the answers were there and that, you know, what people around me were doing was the right way to do it. And it had been scientifically tested and vetted and, I, you know, I learned uh, over my career and, and definitely at Tableau that you just got to reinvent things all the time. And that's mm-hmm. one of the the main things at every single stage, every single day at Tableau, we looked at what was there and we looked at where we wanted to go. And sometimes the right answer is you say, you know what, there's a best practice out there in industry or that we're already mm-hmm. doing here. And we're just going to keep doing that. And we are just leaning into that. Mm-hmm. And there are times when you got to look at that and say, this is bonkers like what's Mm -hmm. what's the way this is done is just doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. and I think to me one of the great joys of of business and of work has been able to the ability to look at that and say yeah and now we're going to do it differently Mm -hmm. and that's one thing I would challenge anyone looking for you know their next step or or what career they want is is be in an environment where you're allowed to to do that, to look at that and say, yes, it's, it should be different. Let's think of a different way to do this because it is certainly not all baked out there and everything is not scientifically proven. It's changing all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you, when you decided to leave Tableau for your current role at Salesforce, you announced it on Twitter, you announced it on LinkedIn. And I thought th- there was a really sweet post from the CEO of SalesLoft saying, wow, you know, look at this overwhelming love and appreciation for Ellie from her team at Tableau. Um, you know, when you think about like how to, how to create a sense of team and how to develop those really strong relationships that you clearly had, what, what were some of those core elements for you? You know, how did you show up and, and really encourage people to support you and vice versa? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's that's a journey for everyone. And I, I also want to put out there, you know, I'm not the most extroverted person in the world. I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily, um, I, I, I'm not that uh, standard vision of a leader, right? The the standing up at the front and leading the charge. I, I have a, a different style. Um, I would say a couple of things. One, just walk into every day treating people around you with respect. Sometimes people ask me, what is the secret? And I say, it's kindergarten stuff. It's show Mm. up, do your best work, assume best intent, treat people around you with respect, right? There's not anything really deep in there. And I would say as a leader, treat them as adults as well. I think people really appreciate it when you give it to them straight. You look at them as a partner. You don't try to uh, manage or manipulate them. You just kind of go into it. And I've always always tried to, to bring that. The other thing I would say is a a shared sense of purpose really is important. And at Tableau, Mm -hmm. we had that, you know, there was this, this sense that data could be more useful to the world than where it was locked up in systems that people couldn't use. Mm -hmm. And I think the people who came to Tableau really shared that. And some who, who maybe didn't have that coming in really, really got that. And so we had this, we had this purpose that, that brought us together and, and tapping into that purpose and some of the sub purposes, like making making a place where people wanted to work, and you know, building a great company, th- those were things that really brought us together. And I want to share a story from when Tableau went public. The company brought a bunch of us, about 80 people actually, out to the to the NYSE. In fact, the NYSE said they'd never seen a company bring so many people, and they had to, you know, organize awesome. how we'd all be there, and so there and so on. But we were, you know, we were all there on Wall Street, we were getting ready to ring the bell. And I felt this overwhelming sense of pride and happiness. And I'll tell you, it wasn't because of the financial result. Mm -hmm. It was because of this thing we'd built together. And in Seattle, where it was five o'clock in the morning, Mm -hmm. there were people in the office, the office was packed, Mm -hmm. and we were getting Mm -hmm. photos from the office. We had customers online around the world, Mm -hmm. from England, from all over the U.S. tweeting us and saying, hey, Tableau, so glad you guys finally made it. And it felt like it was a thing that we'd all done together. Mm-hmm. And that was that's what I remember about that day more than anything else. Mm. Mm. I love that. You, um, you've mentioned the fact that you're introverted a couple of times. And, yeah. and I'm introverted too. And I think about it all the time. Uh, and... I've like, I've grown a lot as a person, obviously, when I was a kid, I was almost mute. And I remember my mom saying, Bethany, (laughs) you just, you don't have to do the talking, but if you just learn to ask questions, people will think of you as a great conversationalist. But I think that being introverted has actually been an enormous strength for me over the course of my career. It's made me really focused on other people and aware of other people. I'd love for you to talk about that too, because you said that there's sort of a dominant archetype of what a leader looks like, and it's not you. But I actually think you're just a different example of what a leader looks like and extraordinarily effective leader. So I'd love for you to speak to that example. Yeah, and and, uh, I completely agree. There are many different kinds of leaders. Some don't look like me or like that. And uh, the reason why I bring it up is because I think that we, at least in, in in our society, in our culture, we, we do have that in our mind. A lot of us have that mm-hmm. in the backs of our minds. And I can tell we, we could dive into that for, for, uh, for a few hours as well. You know, how, how it's 
affected me. Number one, I have had to learn to be extroverted mm-hmm. or let me, let me put it this way. I have learned extrovert skills because yes. it is important to be able to strike up a conversation. It is important mm-hmm. to ask questions and be able to connect. But I think what, what I've really gotten from being more introverted is an ability to learn about almost any subject because mm-hmm. I'm naturally interested and curious in it. And, and mm-hmm. I love to read and I love to learn. And so that has benefited me greatly in my career is the ability to learn just whatever is out there. And mm-hmm. I think the other thing is related to that is the ability to kind of get down into the details on a topic. Leaders do need to be able to understand things at a, at a deep level, not everything all the time. That's what we call mm-hmm. micromanagement. But mm-hmm. at times you need to be able to dive in and really engage with something and, and understand it and work through it with, with a team. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that those reminders that, that leaders show up in all different kinds of packages is so important. It's actually one thing that I love about the Breakline Arena podcast that my teammate Kenny Vaughn and Sophia Bodwin have launched is that if you look through the guests on this podcast, you see America, you see a cross section of America. And so I, I want to thank you for sharing your vision and, and your version of how to show up. Bethany, okay. can I can yeah. I tell one story on that? Please, that's actually, yes. This this might uh, be interesting to uh, to the breakline listeners. You know, I I think we all know we have this vision. We talked about this 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 leader who looks like I don't know John Wayne or something, mm-hmm. and acts a certain way. And I've seen that I've seen that in so many ways come through. Uh, even in the tech industry, where we're very you know very progressive in many ways, we we definitely have this. And I'll tell a story about early in the Tableau years when we were going on the road and doing a bunch of events in a bunch of different cities. And uh, the, the way these events want, run is you get some speaker and they, they give an hour-long presentation with a demo and, and you, you get a bunch of people there and, and engage your customers and get some leads and so on. And I had uh, I had been working on this by writing the demo and writing the presentation. Mm-hmm. And we had a, a slate of speakers across about 12 cities. And I was supposed to be speaking at Chicago and Boston, I think. Which made sense because I had spoken like this many times before, and I had actually written the demo in this case. And uh, and I was in a room, and we were looking at it was a group of us looking at the the event plan, and somebody else had been pulling together logistics and so on. And I look up at the speaker list as it came up on the screen, mm. and my name was gone, and I was the only woman on there. Wow! And there were no people of color. Mm. And the person who replaced me was a new, a new sales engineer in, in the region. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I waited till the end of the meeting and I went and I asked the woman who I liked very much, uh, mm-hmm. the woman who was in charge of, of the logistics of the event. And I said, Hey, why did I get bumped on speaking in Chicago and Boston? Cause we don't have mm-hmm. any other women there. And I wrote the demo, like I've done this a million times. Like why, why'd you put the new guy in? And she looked at her computer with a list of speakers and she looked at it for a minute and she said, I don't know. Hmm. It had just seemed like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the many ways where I've seen this kind of like, what does it look like when you're on stage? What does it look mm-hmm. like when you're a leader come in? And mm-hmm. she, she put it back the way it was. And I think after that, she was also a lot more aware of mm-hmm. that 
that going on, and we also tried to start putting more representative slates up uh, of speakers. But um, it was a really interesting moment, I think, for both of us right then. Yeah. And there's so much that I love about that story. And the first thing that I love about it is you didn't just let it happen that way. You know, you actually went and said and self-advocated and said, actually, this is my role, you know, in a very nice and gentle way. But um, and I, I think sometimes we forget we have agency and that if we just ask the question, it reminds me of our professor, Maggie Neal at Stanford, Ellie. I don't oh, know she if you remember great. her. Yeah, I remember She's her. great. And she's, she's so spunky and, you know, and she's, she's taught negotiations to breakliners for years, but she, she had this great line, which is basically 80% of getting what you want in a negotiation is asking for it, period. And then you get a little bump if you ask and have a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what you yeah. did. You, you asked and you said, I created the demo. So I just, I, I really love that you didn't just like let it flow like that. You were, you were actually an active participant in, in developing that run of show. But the other thing that I, I find curious and not surprising in a way is that the, your counterpart had no intention, like had no, she just kind of went with an instinct without questioning it. And I yeah. do think that that's part of the reason why we have ended up where we are right now with really meaningful diversity gaps across a range of sectors and companies, because we just have gotten used to a particular construct and we forget to question it. And we forget yeah. to, we forget that we actually have agency in changing it. Yeah. And it feels safe, right? It feels like, oh yeah, that's the way it should be. And mm -hmm. that's why I think it goes back to always question, is the way that it is mm -hmm. that way because it's right and it's great and it's it's working yes. so well? Or is it yes. just the way we're used to? So it kind of feels, yes. feels yes. safe. It feels, it's familiar. We know yeah. this. We know where the contours yeah. are. Yeah. Versus striking out and creating something new. Okay. So you, you had this amazing moment going public with Tableau. And then the, and that's like often like you've reached, you know, Nirvana as a company, like IPO, it's a huge thing. But then there's a, another step in the process for the company's journey, which is getting acquired by Salesforce. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there were, you know, like for any company, there were multiple versions of the future and, and Salesforce came and acquired Tableau. I think it was a good fit in, in many ways. And uh, it seems to have proven out that way as well. Um, when, when we went through the acquisition, my primary concern was what I called landing the team. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times in an acquisition, you get people who, who leave or are unhappy or end up in a, in a bad position. And so I spent a lot of time connecting with the team, trying to understand the, how, how the acquisition would play out and then helping my team understand that. And for a lot of people at Tableau, it was a, it was a great thing. I mean, there was a premium to the stock price. Salesforce is a good company. They focus mm -hmm. on professional development and, and uh, a, a lot of other great things. You know, it's, it's, it's got a great market position. So it was a, it was a, good step for a lot of people in in the company and so I spent some time doing that and uh, and ultimately for myself I realized I wanted something a little bit smaller uh, maybe growing in a different way um, but uh, but yes there was definitely another step in the journey mm-hmm mm -hmm. so here you are at one of the 
but now one of the biggest brands in the world. And it, but yet like there was something that told you it was just time. It had been 12 and a half years at that yeah. Tableau. It was just kind of time. What were you looking for next? You mentioned a smaller team, a growth company. Salesoft has, is it like 700 employees now? Yeah, we're, I think around 800 or so now. 800 employees now. How did you know that this was the right next step? Yeah, great question. I, I had not been looking. I would occasionally take calls. I think the things that were really important to me were one, I'm a product person. I needed to connect to what they were doing. And in what SalesLoft is doing, there's a lot of empowering the user, right? It's about getting getting sellers a uh, more time back. It's getting them the right data to make the right call. It's about connecting sellers and buyers and making both successful. So I felt like there was a, a there there that I could connect to. Yeah. The, the team and the culture were the other big part of it. I mean, having spent so long at a place where I had people I, you know, I just flat out loved, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't use that word lightly. Like I loved a lot of the people I worked with at mm-hmm. Tableau mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I wanted to go to a place where I felt like there was that, you know, we're in it together spirit that we're going to work hard, but we're going to treat each other like people, you know, treat each other with respect. So that was really mm-hmm. important. And, and, and sales loft had that. And I think, uh, you know, I think the last was just that there's a lot of opportunity there. There was opportunity for me to take on the CPO role, which was great. Uh, there's opportunity in the market and all those are, are how I made the decision. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so at this point in the conversation, I can, I can almost just hear the brake runner saying, you know, Ellie has just done everything right. <laughs> Like in her career, like you've gone from strength to strength and made all the right turns. And, and, and in thinking that maybe make the mistake of thinking that it's always been easy. But when we were preparing for this conversation, you also shared, you know, a moment of friction and learning in your career when you were at Tableau and you came in to do both marketing and product found yourself sort of deeply entrenched in marketing and trying to get over to the product side. And you had to make some tough decisions in, in that period of time. Will you talk to us about, you know, how you navigated through that, what you learned and and how things turned out? Yeah, absolutely. And, and definitely acknowledging that it, it uh, uh, I think everyone has a lot of spots along the way. At this particular time I had, come to the conclusion that I really needed to get back to product. It was what I loved. It's what I connected to. And I had been in a dual role at Tableau, as I mentioned, in product and marketing uh, that had become more and more of a product marketing role, sitting in the marketing team. And it was going well, and I loved it. I loved my boss, uh, who was was and, and still is a great advocate for me. But I wanted to go do something different. And I mm. opened the conversation a few times at Tableau in a few different ways, sometimes informally. At one point, I actually wrote a document on a, a part of the business that was struggling and had been struggling mm-hmm. for years and had been struggling to not have leadership. And I wrote this document about what we should do and how we should do it and asked to be able to run it. Mm-hmm. And I basically got no answer mm. on any of those kind of kept mm-hmm. getting acknowledged. Oh yeah, you contribute a lot to the product team. You kind of do that as your night job. That's great. But nothing mm-hmm. ever happened. And uh, and I got to a point where I thought, you know, I don't want to wake up when I'm 60 or 70 and say, well, I had the career I had because I, I never bothered to have the career I really wanted. Mm. And, 
And so I, I started talking to companies that were coming and looking at my experience and saying, could you, could you run product management for us? You know, smaller mm. companies. And I was very close with one and it was, it was hard because I did not want to leave Tableau at that time. I, mm -hmm. I still felt like the company had a lot of legs. I had uh, a lot that I wanted to do there. And I ended up being very close to taking that and talking to one of the leaders over in engineering who, um, who took a chance on me. And mm -hmm. I'll always remember that he took a chance on me. He said, mm -hmm. don't go. If this is what you want, I'll make a roll. Mm. And I had to figure out if I wanted that or, or to go to this other smaller company. I ultimately stayed at, at Tableau uh, for a couple of reasons. One was I knew the product very well and the people, so I knew that the transition would be easier. Mm -hmm. As it turned out, the transition was, was pretty good. And a lot of people after I transitioned said, hey, it seems like you've been doing this for a long time. And I was kind of like I. I have been. I just had a different, <laughs> <laughs> different yes. set part of the organization. But it, I thought that that would set me up for more success. That was one. And the other was, as I said, I, I didn't really want to leave Tableau at the time. To take the role, I did have to go from being a VP mm -hmm. to a level down. Hmm. And there weren't many uh, female VPs at Tableau mm. at the time. You know, obviously it was the farthest I'd gotten in my career at the time. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was a big thing. That was a big mm -hmm. thing. And I, I, I had to make that decision. And as I said, I ultimately made it based on the, the merits of the jobs involved, right? Yes. Took a lower title, a lower place in the company, just kind of in, in fewer of the information flows and so on. Mm -hmm. And I'll say it was, it was really hard. Uh, it was, it was really hard because I am ambitious and I have worried about, you know, get it, especially earlier in my career, you know, being financially stable and all those things. Yeah. And so it, it was hard, but I did it and came back from it and ultimately got the VP role mm. on the product and engineering side, um, started running engineering as well as product um, very quickly after I made the transition and then w was promoted a couple of times at Tableau before I left for this role. But the reason why I tell that story is a couple of things. One, yeah, you do have to just figure out where you want to be and go do it. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I'll say is, you know, I do think there is a certain amount of tracking that happens mm -hmm. where people are tracked into different roles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's what we were talking about. Sometimes you look like a thing or you don't look mm -hmm. like a thing. And Tableau is an amazing company, but it's, it's out there in the water. And I think, I think sometimes there was some of that. I, uh, I used to, in my former role, I would hire a lot of college kids. Mm -hmm. and into a role that was a real growth role. So they would usually only stay in it one or two years. Mm -hmm. And then because of it was fairly generalist, they could go into sales engineering or farther in marketing or go over to product management. And I had people who did each of those things. Mm -hmm. But what was interesting was I'd have others outside the team say to me, oh, he looks like he should be a product manager. Mm. Oh, she'd be a great marketer. Mm -hmm. And because I was managing them, I knew in some cases that these people had very similar profiles and, and maybe even, you know, better profiles for the other thing. But mm -hmm. it was interesting how much of that happened of, oh, this person looks like a, a this. So there it is. Yes. Oh, yeah. there's so much, there's so much to unpack in this story, but that's a really profound insight that you that you're sharing and i think it's super common and as you were sharing it i was thinking for so many of us we 
take on this job of helping other people manage their discomfort with our journey. <laughs> you know, yep. like, right? Like people, you didn't look like the product person. And so it was uncomfortable. It was like an uncomfortable leap for some folks around you. And, but like how many concessions do we make on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, just to enable folks to feel comfortable with us? You know, it's yeah. a tremendous amount of additional work and thought and effort and emotional energy that we put into just showing up. Kenny, my teammate Kenny did this amazing interview with General Vince Stewart, who was an extremely senior Marine Corps officer. He's a, an, an immigrant from Jamaica, arrived with like a backpack and that's it. Oh, wow. And yeah. And, but like Rose had this meteoric rise and he said this comment, I'll never forget. He said, you know, I had to leave myself in the parking lot when I showed up at work, you know, so oh, that he could like- shame. Yes, but I I do think that there's there there are versions of that for so many of us where we we just leave something that's core behind so that we can show up in a way that's acceptable to whoever is making the decisions. So I love that. So I'm not surprised by it because I've had to do it. I know many people who look other in some way have to do that at some point in their career in order to survive and ultimately to thrive. But I didn't want to just let the moment pass because I thought it was a really profound statement. The other thing I love about it is, again, once again, you didn't settle for that. Like you could have just let the inertia or let the momentum continue taking you in the marketing track. Um, and instead, you inserted yourself <laughs> and you inserted yeah. your will in that journey and bent the arc of that journey in the way that mattered to you. Yeah. And I think that is a thing people can do these days. I mean, the world is so, so open. There's so many opportunities out there and sometimes mm -hmm. it just takes putting it out there and pushing for it. And honestly, if, if you're in a place where you keep doing that and it's not working, it might not be the right. Yes. Place. Yeah. That's exactly right. Did, did Looking back on it, do you agree that, that taking the title hit was the right thing for the company to do? Like, was it, you know, was there like a learning or a, you know, proof point or whatever? Or do you think that, you know, had you been in charge, had you been the CEO of Tableau or whatever at that point, could you have made an argument that a lateral move w was the right way to handle it? I absolutely could have. I also understand why they made the decision the way they did. And I, I understand all that. But I, I will say that the the folks who really gave me the chance and the break and, mm -hmm. you know, my, my current boss in marketing at the time, Elisa Fink, as I said, she supported me through all of this. And uh, Dave Story was the one who, who gave me the break on the on the product and engineering side. You know, I just am mm -hmm. immensely grateful to them for for, mm -hmm. um, for making that work. Mm -hmm. Isn't it amazing? You never forget the people who show up for you at a critical juncture in your life, you know, and yep. really make a significant impact. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you named them. Yeah. And, and I will say, I mean, overall, the, the leadership of Tableau is, is and was amazing at the time. I think it's just sometimes hard to make these shifts and, uh, and, and see all the different sides of it and, and let people kind of go where they want to go. So I'm, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's a hard situation all around. 
sometimes to take a big risk. But yeah, I do really appreciate the, the, those two who, who backed me the whole way. Yeah. And I do think, you know, now years later and with your current role at SalesLoft, your own decision to, you know, to, to take the title change in order to move into the functional area that you were passionate about has clearly paid off over time. Yeah, absolutely. I think it has. And, and it's funny, you know, you, you, you also see that titles matter less than you think. And I know everybody mm-hmm. says that when you don't have a title mm-hmm. or everybody says that when you do have a title and when you don't yes. have a title, it, it feels harder to, to feel that. But I, I did learn, uh, you know, that different companies have very different titling, right? Like when Salesforce acquired us, it felt like everybody was a VP. Now that's not true there, but uh, they definitely had a different scale, you know, than, than we had, but it was, it felt like a, a really big hit and it, it was a big hit at the time. But ultimately, if you can connect with the thing that you care about and what you want to do every day, that's, mm-hmm. that's just, it's going to carry you so far. And that's what mm-hmm. I found in my career. If I'm if I'm energized when I get up and I'm doing what I want to be doing, then I have the energy to get through this stuff. Mm-hmm. So Ellie, I want to pivot a little bit. So you you mentioned at the beginning you're a mom, you have two kids, and and I just especially right now we're still in the middle of COVID and a global pandemic. I have four kids. We have many parents on our team at Breakline. And it's just a lot, you know, it's, it's getting better. My kids are now back at school in person, for example, you know, last year I had four of them schooling from home, but before you hopped on, Kenny and I were just talking about the fact that like we, on our team, we have at least one kid at home every week because of COVID exposure or whatever it is. Like it's just so complicated right now. And that was on top of being very, very complicated pre-COVID. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, um, thoughts for you around, you know, parenthood and creating a space for you to to live the life that you want to live while also showing up as an executive at SalesLoft. You know, and and earlier in your career too, you had your kids when you were at Tableau. Yeah, I hadn't noticed it was hard. No, I'm just kidding. Mm. It's so hard. It's always been so hard. I'm going to ask you what in the hell you meant by that. (laughs) No, it's so hard. Um, The number one thing I would say is culture and people around you supporting you. I had my babies while I was at Tableau. I was the first woman on staff to have a baby. Mm. Other other employees had had babies, but men, it's uh, it's Mm -hmm. different. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of fits and starts. We didn't have great disability leave at the beginning and no place to pump and all that stuff. But the environment overall was very supportive. And I remember mm. uh, Elise and my boss and Christian Chabot, the CEO, saying, take as much time as you need. Now, they may have said that with a slight bit of fear in their eyes, but they were trying right. really hard not to show that fear. <laughs> and, I, and I, you know, I ended up taking uh, three, three to four months for each. And I, mm-hmm. sometimes I wish I, I could have taken six months or a year. I think it's it's hard. But I had all the, all that support. And I would say, if you feel like you're a parent and you're in an environment that's not supportive, just get out. Yeah. Just get out because yeah. you will be fighting an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing is the other thing to to be aware of is life does go in cycles, right? Mm -hmm. And there have been times in my life, I think back to investment banking or certain times at Tableau or maybe the first six months at SalesLoft where you are just flat out. 
mm-hmm. in every waking moment you have that is not devoted to, you know, a kid or, or a family that needs it or, or hygiene or sleeping is working and thinking mm-hmm. about work and pushing hard. And then there are times in your life where you're not doing that and your, your mm-hmm. focus is elsewhere. And so when I had the kids, I was working hard at Tableau. Luckily we were a smallish company. And so there was that flexibility. I also didn't have mm-hmm. all the meetings. Big companies do have more meetings and email. And so I was able to, I was able to, to do well at my job and push hard, but still be a mom. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it was easy. I'm not going to say I didn't miss stuff on both ends, both the kid end mm-hmm. and, and, and the work end. But I think communicating with others, whether at home or at work was, was key. And just acknowledging, you know, I, I, I as I mentioned, I am ambitious. I, I really care deeply about what I do. I want to succeed. I want to see change in the world. That's part of what I love. But in those years, I said to myself, I'm not going to push quite as hard. Mm-hmm. And then I got to a place where I could do it again. Mm-hmm. But I'll say having the kids also made me a better manager because I was that classic type A, I'm sure you were this too, Bethany, where I I would say when I was a new manager, I would say that I was delegating or I would say I was relying on somebody else, but I never really did. I was mm-hmm. always on top of it. I was always ready to come through. I wouldn't let anything fall. And when you go out with a baby or any major major issue that, that really takes you out of commission, you have to learn to rely on others. And so mm-hmm. I had to rely on my team and my peers at Tableau when I had my, my first baby. And it was a huge learning experience in a, in a wonderful way. I saw mm-hmm. how they stepped up for me and it, it gave me such a genuine desire to step up for others. When I came back, if they had a parent out or a kid or whatever it was, I wanted to help them in the way that my, mm-hmm. my colleagues had helped me. And I, mm-hmm. I think it, it, it was an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then I love that you, you know, immediately thought about, okay, how do I pay it forward from here? Well, will you talk to us a little bit about Sales Loft? You know, where are you all headed? What are you excited about as you, as you build this company together with your team? Yeah, Sales Loft is, is great. Uh, What we're doing is really looking at sales as a profession and saying, how, how can we, how can we make this better? How can we help sellers and sales teams be great? Uh, Sales was one of those professions that really hadn't gone online as much as many others. And then of course the pandemic happened and guess what? It all went online, but it didn't go online in, in what I think the state of the future will be. I think it was one of those things where one day everybody just picked up what they did and then they did it in a zoom or an email and uh and we have this opportunity to really look at it and say okay well how can you how can you make sellers more productive so they can go home earlier or make more money right how can you how can you make sellers connect with buyers better right how can you figure out what's the really human part of what they're doing you know guiding connecting having a relationship helping navigate the buyer versus what a computer can do like scanning your email or creating a task list so it's, there's a really compelling opportunity there uh, to to reimagine what sales looks like in a digital world. And so I think that that's the journey we're on. That's what that's what we're trying to build to. And I think there's also a great uh, a great opportunity to put uh, to make use of data there as well. One of the things I learned in my career in data uh, is that very few people want to go look at a dashboard, mm-hmm. and almost nobody wants to go look at a database or a spreadsheet. But if you can put the right data at the right moment when they need it, 
almost anyone will use it. And we just still have this this environment where the data is over there and special data people go deal with it. And then everybody else does their work over here. But if you can put that data in the workflow in the right place, you can make people uh, really successful and really productive. So uh, so that's what we're doing with SalesLoft is we're, we're trying to imagine the future of digital sales and, and help our customers get there. Mm. Well, one of the things that you said during this conversation that I loved, you said, I didn't want to look back in my life and say I had the career I had because I never bothered to go after the career I wanted. And hearing about you as a child, hearing about you as a professional, hearing about you as a mom, I would just amend that to I had the life I had because I never bothered to go after the life I wanted. You, you're really going after the life you want. And it's so wonderful to see you get it. You know, you're going after it and, and you're grabbing onto it with both hands. So congratulations. It's such well, a thanks, wonderful Bethany. thing. I mean, love hearing more about your journey, the path that you've taken, and also the pathways that you've opened for other people. Well, thanks, yeah. And I love what you're doing with Breakline. It's a great community and uh, really happy to talk with you today. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode in the Breakline Arena. We hope that you're walking away feeling a little inspired, a little bit moved, and feeling as if you learned something. I tell you what, if you enjoy what you've heard today, we only need you to do one of three things. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe, and if it really touched your spirit, go on review and rate this episode. It would mean a lot to us. It helps us get the word out there. It helps us continue to share this great content. And most importantly, we just love to hear what you what you'd have to say about some of the content that we're putting out there. So please join us again here in the Breakline Arena. Once again, my name is Kenny Vaughn, and I am signing out from the Breakline HQ with my partner in crime. Sophia Bodwin, we will see you next week.